The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 139. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. All right, we ready? Recording. Here we go. Apple answers questions about the iPhone Nano, Windows Mobile 6.5 reappears, and what's going on with the Sprint Trio Pro. My name is Mickey Papillon. I'm Joey Coppas. And we've got a great show lined up today. Before we get going here, do have a few things we wanted to chat about. First off, Joey and I recorded the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number 13 this past week. Had a little bit different of a show. We took uh, the agenda and completely threw it out the window. And uh, I sent out a Twitter message uh, on uh, Wednesday afternoon and said, what would you like to hear about on this week's show? And we got a lot of different comments from you, the listeners. And we recorded a show and just answered questions on uh, things that you were thinking about that very day. So if you want to check that one out, you can get access to it by heading over to thecellphonejunkie.com and clicking on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Uh, Next, I did get a new iPhone this past week, and I wanted to tell my experience about it because it was pretty interesting. And what I found is that over when I first ordered this phone, if you've recalled the last shows that we've talked about this, I I ordered a refurbished iPhone from AT&T. And I did that because, number one, it it didn't require me to get into another two-year contract because I already had a contract. And number two, it was a lot cheaper than buying an outright phone saved uh, about half. It was only $200. So anyway, so I got this refurbished iPhone and had 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 a few different problems with it. In fact, I talked about it on one of the shows where the phone had, uh, it was in my pocket uh, one evening and it was, it, it got really, really warm. And I pulled it out to find that the battery had been completely drained down and it, uh, I couldn't do anything with it, had to do a reset on it. And uh, once I reset it, it said, you need to activate it again. So I had to plug it back in. Well, this happened three times. And after the third time, I ended up going into an Apple store and you know, said, hey, I need to talk to someone about this. And what they, uh, what they said, of course, is what they always say. You need to set up a Genius Bar appointment. Fortunately, it was at the end of the day. And so they had one about an hour later. So went and did some shopping and came back, sat down with the genius who plugged it in and pulled up all the diagnostic information. And for those that have never had this done at one of the Apple stores, they have a really, really slick program on their computers there that they can actually, they plug in your phone and it pulls up all sorts of information, including, you know, application crashes, um, you know, battery life, battery times, all that kind of thing. So it, uh, you know, he, he was able to pull up and see that my average standby time on the device was only about 16 hours, which was uh, is is really really low when you think about uh, how long it should last. And I'm not using you know corporate email or anything like that on it. And so he said, you know what, you've got a bad battery. So he pulled out his infrared light and did another thing that I found really interesting, and that was verifying the two different water indicators on the phone. I'd never realized that there were actually two different places for this. So on most phones, you pull off the battery, right, on on your phone, and you've got that little white dot underneath it, and that turns red if it's been exposed to water. Well, the uh, the iPhone has two of them. It's got one where you plug in the 30-pin dot connector on the bottom underneath where that connector is inside. If you take a flashlight and look in there, you can see a little kind of white strip in there. 
And then uh, I never realized this, but in the headset jack, there's actually a little white dot in there too. And I don't, I, I think this is new to the iPhone 3G. I could be wrong, but uh, that there's actually one in there too. So he he checked those out, and of course it was fine. I had no water damage on my original on the phone that I brought in. He said, you know what, you got a bad battery. Checked it out. Reached behind him, grabbed me a a, a inconspicuous white box which had a brand new iPhone in it. I'm assuming it's brand new. I guess it could be refurb. It doesn't matter because it works. So um, I've, got, I've got a new phone. So anyway, I bring up this story just to, you know, don't, uh, you know, if you've got a problem with your phone, specifically your iPhone, you've got the opportunity to go and talk to Apple and their geniuses and they can, uh, you know, possibly help you out. So Joey, I found that to be really good customer service. I, I like the way that Apple does stuff like that. That is, and that kind of customer service is what will keep Apple... Um really, really, uh, uh, you know, going beyond their competition. Um, you know, you don't, you don't find that basically anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, how, how often have you brought a phone in and, and talked to customer service and they basically say, well, you know, that's, it's old or you've got this problem or that problem. So you need to buy a new one, you know? A lot of people who are with, with Centros uh, go back to Sprint and, Seems like half the time Sprint says, "Oh no, you have to deal with Palm." Oh, jeez, and, and that's so hard because there's no Palm stores, you know. Well, We're, there's no Palm stores, and then Palm says, "Oh no, you have Sprint deals with that." So then they just point the, that, point the fingers at each other, and then you know you, the consumer, is basically just hopeless. Yeah, you just get fed up with it, and you say, "Forget it. I'll I'll go do something else. I'll go buy an iPhone, right?" You know, or they'll yeah. just totally totally uh, get get pushed off by that that brand or that company or whatever and they switch and, and there you go so anyway but kudos to apple for for taking that on and, and making that uh, a nice easy transaction for me uh also i did want to mention that uh, i got another donation this week which reminded me that if you are a fan of the cell phone junkie and you have the means to do so of course please don't feel obligated but if you do have the means um this show does take a lot of dedication from both joey and i and of course it does take money to host it so we do appreciate the donations you can do so over at thecellphonejunkie.com. There's a link on the right-hand side where you can do so. And also, we've got a lot of great iTunes comments uh, from both of the shows over the last few weeks, and I want those to keep on coming because I really think it's a great way. Um, we've essentially doubled our listening base uh, over the last probably six months, and I- I'm just really excited by the momentum of the show. So any possible way that we can get the word out about you know uh, the-, the show itself, uh, we certainly do appreciate it. So hop over to iTunes, and I will actually link it in the show notes here so you can just do a single clink- click uh, and it will open up your iTunes and you can just go in there and comment on how you think the show is doing. And then finally, I had an amazing opportunity last weekend. For those that are football fans, uh, the NFC Championship game was hosted here in Arizona. Of course, the Arizona Cardinals are going to the Super Bowl next weekend. And uh, so I got to see that NFC Championship game last weekend. And I-, I wanted to just briefly talk about my experience there because it's it's one thing to be at this game. But of course, as a cell phone junkie, I do. Uh, I brought both of my phones with and I was, you know, hoping to kind of, you know, not live blog the game, but at least take pictures and post pictures and, you know, send out Twitter messages and stuff like that. But what I found was with 75,000 people in the stadium, service was just at a crawl. In fact, I had a lot of problems even getting out 
to do simple things such as sending text messages, which was a little bit uh, unnerving, to say the least, because at one point I was trying to send one and it, it wouldn't go through, and uh, it took multiple tries for it. It just kept failing. So you can imagine how, how slow the data service was. Uh, it was it was just unbelievable. Couldn't send or receive email, couldn't log on to the internet, and this was both AT&T and Verizon. Ultimately, it seemed like a lot of people, or a lot more people at the beginning of the game were trying to do things than uh, at the middle or the end, as you know, they're walking into the stadium and you know taking a picture and going, "Hey, check this out!" You know, I'm at the game and what like exactly what I was trying to do actually. So <laughs> uh, waited a, waited a few hours and got into the middle of the game and was able to send and send off a few messages. But um, I found that the iPhone sat on 3G. It never tried to switch over to Edge, so I thought that was that was pretty good. But the BlackBerry actually left eVideo and went back to one XRTT service to actually do things. And once it did that, I was able to send and receive emails. Um, Albeit very very slowly, um, but it did work, and uh, so especially because I was trying to send pictures. But um, both both of the uh, both of the networks were completely overloaded, and I just you know one of those things where even though it wasn't a situation where I, I was in dire need to use my phone like an emergency or anything like that, uh, just one of those things you get that many people in an area at at one time, and and the service just you know they don't have enough lines, they don't have enough channels available on the towers, and just problem after problem. So we'll talk about that a little bit more with the inauguration that happened this past week and how the the networks fared during that. But before we do that, let's talk about some other news this week. First off, Microsoft had some announcements this week that they will have coming out at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona next month. That is, uh, Mobile World Congress is basically the the ultimate... uh, convention around the world for uh, what's going on in the cellular industry, and that is occurring from the 16th through the 19th of February. And they said this week that they're going to be not only announcing Windows Mobile 6.5, which we kind of expected them to do for them to unveil that new software, but they're talking about three new services that they have. First off, one called Skybox. It's a service that allows users to sync their phones to the web. Basically, it's an automatic backup and restore service. It allows for management of the phone's data and uh, other things like that. It would be very similar to something uh, that we've seen from Apple in the last six months called Mobile Me. The difference is that Microsoft could set this to run on a non-Windows mobile devices, which could certainly be uh, a nice uh, you know, push in the direction of Microsoft if you wanted to get a service. So that's Skybox. That's the first one that they talked about. The second one was Skyline, and that's going to be aimed at small businesses offering functionality similar to Skybox, but you will be able to set up your phone with an exchange host that Microsoft will have and actually use your own domain name. So, uh, so a, a nice thing for the business side. And finally, Sky Market, uh, that was was originally talked about in September when Microsoft said uh, an external job position was going to be out there for something called Sky Market. And it is the mobile marketplace, so the competitor to Apple's iStore, if you will, or the BlackBerry Application Center, or the the. Uh, the G1 Android store, or whatever that one is called. And it will be available on Windows mobile devices and will have thousands of uh, potential uh, Windows applications. So, um, you know, it's it's some good stuff, I think, that, that we'll be seeing from them coming up here at Mobile World Congress. I know Microsoft has really got to do some stuff here. They, they were talking about Windows Mobile 6.5, but what it sounds like is it may be later in the year, which I think is a really big, uh, a, a big faux pas for them if they're going to get, you know, and stay in line with everything that's happening right now. 
They got to get Windows 6.5 out. It's got to have some, if not major, at least some nice tweaks to it, to the interface that make it something that people are wanting to get. And yeah, let's hope they get it out to the current devices, right? Because that'll be, that'll be a big problem. Absolutely, because it really seemed to help with the Windows Mobile 6.1 um, to, to keep you know the Windows Mobile you know motivation going. But with the the current crop of devices, especially with the the latest uh, you know hit that Palm seems to have, and iPhone just becoming more and more stable, <sighs> Windows Mobile is really seemingly being left in the dust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, wh- as what- far as far as you know, uh, it, it, you know, the devices. No, I mean the the devices. You know, as of late in the past, you know, four or five months. You know, like with the the um, the, the the Trio Pro and a few of these others. You know, the, even the Diamond. You know, Touch Pro. Those are very hot, very powerful devices. But again, it's the same old Windows Mobile. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changing. Um, you know, and and they're talking about this this honeycomb. Um, you know, interface to it. it. It's it's basically putting a different spin on a menu, right? I mean, it's making it so you can just a different launcher. Yeah, yeah. Just, that I mean, that's I mean, that could probably have customized my uh, you know my Palm Pilot you know 15 years ago to look like that if I wanted to. I mean, probably <laughs> better with you know probably better functionality. So I, it's to me, it's just so unexciting. Yeah, I, I they gotta they gotta have some good stuff. So we'll look for them, and I think this is probably as much as going to leak out uh, in the next month. But uh, we'll see what happens coming up at Mobile World Congress and what they do with that. On the AT and T side this week, first off, AT and T has announced they're dropping their MediaNet package down to ten dollars, and that is a drop of five dollars per month. So if you are a subscriber to MediaNet, of course, five dollars per month is is you know still five dollars a month. That's sixty bucks a year that you can be saving, and then it basically wraps into it that you can now. Uh, for the same price as what you had with Verizon or have with Verizon, get unlimited data and text messaging or uh, MMS messaging, so any messaging, on your device for $30. So this is for feature phones only, not smartphones. So if you've got a BlackBerry, Windows Mobile, iPhone, anything like that, there's no changes to any of those. So keep that in mind. You're not going to be finding anything uh, changing. But if you've got yourself, you know, a razor or some other, you know, regular feature phone, I, I mean, th- there's so many of them that are out there right now, but, um, you know, it, it's still five bucks a month, right? I mean, that's, I think anyone's going to be happy with that. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, next thing, AT&T announced that they will be selling off 235 of their cellular towers in 24 different states to Global Tower Partners for an undisclosed sum. They own more than, uh, Global Partners, that is, owns more than 10,000 cell towers, making them the third largest cell tower owner in the country, uh, conceivably just trying to raise some funds on the AT&T side. So anyway, just a brief announcement about that. On the Verizon side, they have announced some changes to their plans with the acquisition of Altel coming in here. The in-calling that you've been used to is being changed to a mobile-to-mobile named plan. This will be taking effect as far as in-name on February 15th, but more than that, Altel numbers are now part of the in-network calls for Verizon customers. So if you're a Verizon customer and you've got friends or family or whoever that's got Altel, you can now call them and their calls are essentially free to you. So the the calls themselves are not charged uh, against your bucket of minutes that you have. However, Altel customers are going to have to wait for the merger to be completely pushed through. Their calls are not showing up as being in calls right now. So you don't get the mobile-to-mobile benefit if you're an Altel customer like you do if you're on Verizon. So uh, unfortunate, but I guess that's just the way it works as they're kind of pushing both of these together. Also looks like the 
the name Broadband Access will be going away in return for Verizon Wireless Mobile Broadband, and that will uh, that will be the replacement for it for the the uh, the data side of things. If you've got a data card, so a couple of changes there uh, for Verizon. Sprint announced this week a new set of calling plans for business users, those that use the Direct Connect services. A plan called the Unlimited Work Group offers unlimited Direct Connect and Group Connect, plus unlimited SMS, mobile-to-mobile minutes, and night and weekend minutes for $30 per line. You can add $10 a month to get unlimited data, web browsing, and GPS navigation on the next phones, or add $20 for these features on a power source or Direct Connect Nextel capable phone. Sprint is offering the pooled voice minutes starting at $500 for $30 per month or $2,000 for $100 per line. So some changes there for Sprint. Also, if you are a Sprint customer and you don't want to be anymore, they have announced a $0.25 administration fee uh, increase that goes into effect uh, on plans here in January. So if you have gotten your bill and you notice this, you can call up Sprint uh, between now and uh, the 31st of January, it looks like, and you will be able to get a uh, out of your contract. If you talk to the person in the right way, I guess, saying that you've got a uh, material or they've, they've materially changed your contract and so it's time for uh, you know, they made a change so you can make a change as in leaving them without paying the early termination fee. So Joey, just another way to go about, uh, doing this, I guess there's, there's tons of them out there right now, but, uh, I don't know. Have you seen these in yeah, any of your was, bills yet? Uh, um, yeah, I was going to try it with some of my next tells at work until I realized that they actually don't have that particular charge on the bill. So it's kind of disappointed. Mm, okay. How about your, your home phone or your, your, your um, personal line? Well, Even look. Yeah, I'm under contract then, but I I, I don't want to leave Sprint. So yeah, um, the, you guys have good. You, you can't you can't cancel. You, you can't get out of your contract without canceling your service. That's true. That's true. So you're you're basically going. You need to change, and you don't want to. So what does it matter, right? You've got good exactly. deals. You've got good plans. So I wouldn't want to either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, digital TV, we've talked about it, and it is coming, but when is it going to come? The the Senate this week approved the proposal of a delay of the transition by four months. Uh, an official vote has not yet happened and is currently being debated by the House of Representatives. The proposal it would be to push the transition back to June 12th as they're seeking more money, um, $650 million in additional funds for converter box coupons send out to be sent out to customers. Um, uh, of course, their television stations have the choice of halting analog broadcasts if they choose so. Uh, Verizon Wireless talked about this week that they were in favor of the delay, and Qualcomm mentioned that they want to expand their MediaFlow mobile TV network, and they've, uh, they're very opposed to this as they want to get the spectrum back to begin doing what they need to do with it. So, uh, lots of lots of things still floating out with this, and we're going to keep a close eye on it to uh, to figure out what exactly shakes out because we are uh, we are just about twenty days away from that transition, so it's coming fast. Palm's WebOS uh, had a, a neat little capability kind of sneak out this week, and it was not something that uh, that I, I don't know that anyone had ever really looked at or hadn't even really thought about in a, an operating system and a way to combine the different applications that you've got on there. So what they did is they've added they've added some things and this will be of course coming out when the web OS comes out here but uh, for example when you wake up in the morning 
um, it will take the phone has already taken a look at your calendar and it will download maps of the locations that you're going throughout the day. So for example, if you need to start out at home and go to a location that is maybe not your work, it will give you uh, a map that's available on your device and point to point directions uh, that will tell you how to get there. And then of course, from place to place throughout your day. So pretty neat, right? Well, they've also said that they'll be combining the calendar, the GPS, the clock, and potentially the contacts that you have. So not only does it know where you are with the GPS, but it knows where you're supposed to be and when because it has access to your calendar. It can then notify you to say, hey, you're going to be late for this appointment because you're you know, 10 miles away from something you need to be at in five minutes. And it will either allow you to send an email to your assistant to have that person contact the people that are supposed to be in your meeting or potentially the people in the meeting, and uh, which will be a, a very nice feature, I think, for those that get kind of tied up in, in meetings and, and things that are happening in their days. So some, some neat things come into the, the web OS. And it was nice that those kind of that got leaked out this week. And so we finally got to hear a little bit about them. And if you're excited about the Palm Pre, we've got a quote unquote definitive guide and frequently asked questions list that was done by Gizmodo that we're going to put a link to in the show notes here as well. That goes through everything from the specifications of the device to the hardware to some of the questions that people have had on it, including when will it go on sale, the potential cost that it's supposed to be, and whatnot. So check that one out if you're interested in the pre. Next here, and Gadget talks this week about how Obama is getting a BlackBerry. Now, we had talked about this pretty much every week for the past three or four, and it came up this week through a press conference uh, with Robert Gibbs, and he said the president has a BlackBerry through a compromise that allows him to stay in touch with senior staff and a small group of personal friends in a way that will be limited and the security is enhanced to ensure his ability to communicate. But to do so efficiently, we had to do it in a way that's protected. So, you know, this comment is one that came under a lot of criticism over the, the, the following days after this. And did he does he really have a BlackBerry or is it in fact this Selectra Edge device that we've been talking about? And, and uh, Joey, I think the answer is we don't know. Yeah, the, I mean, some of the stories I saw from CNN, they they just said, well, the White House, uh, you know, failed to comment. So he has something, but we just don't know what it is. Uh, and, it, and it's very limited to who he can communicate with that device. And, and, and we don't know that it's actually a quote-unquote BlackBerry. That's that, that's kind of this this generic term that they're using because he's gotten so much coverage for using a BlackBerry that it, it may or may not even be that. I mean, it, it could be this Selector Edge. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's kind of the, the generic term for the, you know, that email device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they had a, a CNN video showing the, the new device that was supposedly being used by the president. And, of course, it was the General Dynamics uh, Selector Edge. And so... It may or may not be. This, of course, is a device that's been certified by the NSA for being a secure device. Um, there's a one-button push to get it from, I guess, secure mode into or, or into secure mode when it's on non-secure mode. So, um, but again, this is still nothing's confirmed. I don't know that we're ever going to see much that really explains whether or not this is uh, this is in fact what he has. They, they, I don't know. Um, Either way, the president is in some way communicating with select people and uh, close, uh, you know, close aides that he's got. So that that's good because I know that's something that he wanted, and so there was a compromise. Uh, so nice to see. Yeah, like I had said before, I thought it was going to be a lot longer time frame before he had something, but uh, uh, I was wrong. Yeah, well, you know, it, he's the president. You know, he can uh, 
you know, he, he can make the, these bump, calls. Pr- bump the priority list up. Right, exactly. Let's yeah. see. So. Number one, we're going to close Guantanamo Bay. Number two, I need my BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about his inauguration there at the beginning real quick and talked about crowds. 1.4 million people went out to Washington, D.C. to see the inauguration. In fact, there were some photographs taken of space of the inauguration with the massive crowds that gathered around the jumbotrons put out in place in front of the Capitol this past Tuesday. Well, the the uh, the, the cellular networks actually fared uh, pretty well. They apparently added about 80% capacity on AT&T's side, and, uh, as an example, and they were very, very, uh, I guess, lucky and very happy at the way that it worked. There was some congestion, but for the most part, people were able to get their calls through. I don't know, Joey. It seems like they did a pretty good job. Yeah, it seems like it. And it, I, I, it seems like the carriers did a pretty good job um, of you know, anticipating the crowd that was going to be there also. Um, I, I saw something on a, on a local news channel here that just just kind of blew my mind, kind of digressing here just a little bit. It cost $170 million for that inauguration, is what the taxpayers had to fork over for that. Oh, unbelievable. I, I think I re- I think it was 2 million people attended. Now, four years ago with Bush's second inauguration, it cost $160 million, and I think 100,000 people went. A little bit better of an ROI on that one, I think. Just a little. Just a little. Well, My numbers may not be exactly right, but it was about... It, those are almost what they were, if, if, if I didn't have those exactly. It, it, was, it was an absolute dramatic increase of, of uh, people um, for almost the same amount of money. Yeah, uh, that, that is pretty good. Well, a spokesperson for AT&T said that they experienced, like I said, some congestion, but generally customers were able to get through. And uh, they, we, we really expected the reports to be a, a lot more negative about what was going to happen. We thought there'd be, you know, significant amounts of, you know, you know, call, you know, network busy and calls not going through, voicemails showing up, whatever. But, you know, it worked. It uh and they did good planning here, and D.C. survived. So anyway, the inauguration has gone through, and uh, I guess we'll wait until the Super Bowl, see what happens with the networks around that one. LG surpassed Motorola this week to become the third largest handset maker. According to Digit Times. the top five handset makers are now Nokia, Samsung, LG, Motorola, and Sony Ericsson. In that order, in 2008, Nokia sold 470 million handsets, Samsung 200 million, LG 100, and Motorola 99.9 million. So barely eking out uh, Motorola this year, but LG now number three. T-Mobile customers are getting uh, the My Faves uh, feature available on their phones for free, according to a report from Engadget. Apparently, some people are calling up and talking to customer service and saying, basically, uh, they want to get the service for free and are getting it. So if you're on the T-Mobile service and uh, can you know talk, to your, talk yourself through something with customer service, give it a try. Maybe you can get on and get your MyFave service, which allows you for up to five people to make unlimited calls night or day to for free. Qualcomm is buying a part of AMD's mobile chip business. They announced they had acquired certain graphics and multimedia technology assets, intellectual property, and resources that were formerly the basis of AMD's handheld business. The new multimedia technologies will allow Qualcomm to improve its ability to provide 2D and 3D graphics features, as well as better audio and video display support. Qualcomm is paying $65 million for the assets and has made offers of employment to the AMD personnel involved in developing the technologies. 
Well, Nokia has posted some pretty bleak uh, Q4 earnings and saying that they are lowering their expectations for 2009. They posted sales of 12.67 billion euros, which is down from 19.5 billion euros the same period in 2007. Business revenue is down as well with a quarter slide of 26.9%. Basically, they were predicting a 5% drop in sales uh, when they went into 2009, and they've revised that to being a 10% drop in sales now. So uh, when you're talking about numbers that are that high, that's going to be a pretty significant change. We're talking about billions here. So Nokia expecting to be riding the same wave as pretty much everyone else in the slumping economy. Well, Symbian has a virus that is being spread uh, throughout the handsets, and it's called the sms.python.flocker trojan. And it was originally written by some uh, Russian uh, hackers, and it has been designed to get un- unwilling victims of the service to send a very small kickback to uh, back to the authors of the program. Now, this particular uh, kickback is only between 45 and 90 cents US, but so it may not be actually uh, detected by the user, but when installed on multiple Symbian operating system devices such as Nokia, Motorola, Samsung, and Sony, they're uh, acquiring quite a bit of money. Now, Joey, this kind of reminds me of a, uh, a little scam that we saw in a movie a few years back called Office Space, where they yes. rounded <laughs> they rounded off the sense of uh, you know the transfers and uh, put it into a bank account, and you know it's a good movie if you haven't seen it. But what else? What else do you think about this uh, this virus here? Well, it's exactly like you said, Mickey. That you know, yeah, for each user, it's like forty cents. It's barely worth um, dealing with it or even calling up and complaining about it. So what happens is you kind of slip underneath the radar if they even see it. And if you can get, uh, you know, a critical mass uh, of people uh, who has this uh, virus installed, I mean, it's potentially worth thousands, hundreds of thousands of of dollars for basically doing absolutely nothing. Uh, So we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, with over 3 billion phone users in the world, I mean, you get a, a very small percentage, you know. That's a lot of money <laughs> when you talk about it's that. Huge. Yeah, because it, yeah. it's, it's going it, to, and there's so many Symbian phones. I mean, they pick the, the right operating system. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know. I'm just going to take a guess and I'm going to say, I don't know, 500 million, you know, Symbian operating system devices that are out there. And uh, yeah, just unbelievable numbers. So keep that in mind if you're a, 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 a Symbian OS phone user uh, and read up and find out what you need to do because you don't want to be caught in the scam. Well, the uh, o- uh, Obama administration has named a new FCC commissioner, and his name is Michael Copps, and he will be the acting FCC chairman on a temporary basis until a permanent replacement um, has been named. Uh, Obama is expected to nominate Julius Genachowski for the post, and he will have to be approved, of course, by Congress before taking office. And uh, Coppas, or excuse me, Copps will head to the FCC until then. Joey, I did it. I, I was I was trying not to. We were talking about this before the show. His name is very close to yours. His name is Cops, not Coppas. It's not you that's taking over temporarily. Definitely not me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Let's move into uh, some more information here about some devices. First off, Apple's uh, answers the question about the iPhone Nano. In a financial conference call that they had this week, they dismissed the possibility of a low-end iPhone, uh, which had been discussed pretty significantly 
Uh, over the last few weeks, Tim Cook revealed that a low-end iPhone seems unlikely because they are not going to play with the low-end voice phone business. That's not who they are. That's not why they're there. And the goal is not to lead unit sales, but to build the world's best phone. So there you have it. They also talked about the netbook as well, uh, but you can read about up on that if you're interested in it. Verizon launched today, Sunday, the 25th, its network extender, also known as a femtocell, for those that are uh, familiar with the term. A $249 price point allows for plugging this device in uh, in your house to your uh, high-speed internet connection, and will then broadcast a an video signal, one XRTT only, not 3G, and a 5,000 foot broadcast radius. It allows for up to three phones to use the service simultaneously, and reserves a fourth channel that's always open for 911 calls. So, if you're interested, you've got poor Verizon service in your house. Check this one out, as it could be a very nice feature for you to uh, to enhance your coverage in whatever place you're you're uh, living in. Uh, AT&T also leaked out uh, on the Boy Genius Report today a 3G microcell or femtocell, which could be coming sooner than we thought. Looks like the device uh, has got a, a model number and also a brief description and will be possibly available as early as this quarter. Sprint accidentally revealed the CDMA Trio Pro this week. Now, we say accidentally because it did show up on Sprint's website for a brief period of time, and it was uh, pretty much identical to the GSM version that's been out for the last few months, uh, including Wi-Fi, GPS, memory card, and all the Sprint services that you would expect. But then shortly uh, after that in the day, it was pulled back off. And later in the week, a letter came out to Best Buy employees stating that the Palm Trio Pro launch has been delayed until the 15th of February. So keep that in mind if you're looking for the Trio Pro on the Sprint Network. It's going to be a few more weeks before you'll be able to get your hands on that one. Well, Google and the Google Android operating system are coming to a few more phones. Samsung Electronics has released that the first Android phone... uh, that they will be creating will be out in 2009, and it will be teaming up with T-Mobile and Sprint to offer the device. This will be the uh, second Android device potentially to come out, and will have a form factor very similar to the Samsung Omnia with a very large touchscreen. No other details available on the price just yet. Well, Huawei uh, is a, uh, a carrier, I believe, in Sweden, and they've recently posted on their website that they will be showing a smart mobile phone based on Android's platform in the first mobile phone based on a one single UMTS chipset will be available from them starting February 16th. This is the beginning of Mobile World Congress like we talked about earlier, so I'm guessing it's coinciding with that. So keep that in uh, in your eyes if you're an international uh, in the international market looking for an Android device. And the next phone possibly coming from HTC with Android on it is the Sapphire. The G2 or Dream G2 is looking to be the next phone from HTC to come out with it. No word on a date yet, but uh, looks very similar to uh, the current version of it, just a little bit of a sleeker style. HTC trimmed back some of its projections this week for 2009. They had a very, very strong 2008 with revenue up 29%. They're looking at a 2009 to have growth of about, uh, where they said that we were going to have growth about 20%, and they're trimming that back to about 10% now, but growth nonetheless. So HTC looking at the, uh, 
at, at the economic conditions as well. And they also unveiled a new device this week, the Touch Cruise with footprints. They announced the Windows Mobile 6.1 professional smartphone, the Touch Cruise with Touch Flow and uh, GSM Edge and 3G with Bluetooth 2.0, a GPS and a 3.2 megapixel camera, a 2.8 inch screen with uh, QVGA resolution. Uh, the Cruise is a slot for micro SD cards and new software on it. It is unlocked, uh, or the unlocked version uh, with uh, HSDPA will be available in North America in the second quarter for $500 to $600. The footprint also auto-names auto uh, uh, photos with uh, geotags. So that's kind of where they're, they're putting their niche in this one, is that you can take photos with it, and it will uh, give you the ability to, of course, add the coordinates, and also notes and an auto-clip associated with the image. So some kind of neat stuff there on that device. The Nokia Express Music 5800 has been out for 30 days now. In the first 30 days, they announced 500,000 units had been sold. Uh, Very, very strong numbers for this device. And just wanted to briefly mention that if you're uh, interested in the device, it is a very popular selling one, and uh, you will be with good company. The T-Mobile Curve 8900 is out, and those that have ordered it may already have it. Looks like some, uh, some videos have already been posted of the... What did I call it, Joey? The curvy, the curvy, stormy, boldy-looking curve. I don't know. Remember what exactly I said, but anyway, it is out there, and uh, some people have got their hands on it. So check this one out on T-Mobile if you're interested. And Verizon announced their hub home phone this past uh, past weekend. It is a landline replacement and also an accessory to your wireless service. Uses your broadband connection to connect to the internet and provide voice over IP based telephone calls. A seven inch touch screen display offering a wide range of features such as access to your calendar, maps, directions, traffic, weather, and movie times. It will also synchronize your calendar appointments with any Verizon handsets that are added to the hub. It can also send and receive text messages. And uh, chaperone, uh, the chaperone service will send pings and send driving directions to handsets and is available through Verizon wireless retail stores uh, that can, and can use a broadband connection. Now, b- before we move on from this, Joey, th- this phone, you know, we, we've seen it, we've talked about it in the past, um, but I just don't, I don't necessarily get it. Um, it's $200 phone, $35 per month subscription. I guess you get unlimited, you know, anytime nationwide calls um, and messaging. But, uh, you know, is this something that, that, you can, that you can see yourself buying or who is this for? Uh, no, absolutely not. Because I would just pull the Centro out of my pocket that I already have and look at the traffic on Google Maps. Mm. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, what about... Uh, and then calls. I, I mean, no. Because... I, I, just no, I, <laughs> not something for me. <laughs> All right. Well, I just I, I just thought I'd ask. Uh, yeah. You know, I just yeah. just trying to figure out who this is for. I d- I'm not quite sure. Of course, I, I don't know. Of course, there's people who are still using you know the, their their handsets at home. But uh, oh, absolutely. No, I'm 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 sure there is a market for this. Uh, not that big. Uh, do you mean because I mean like we've said over and over again the you know the landline market in your house is just it's just declining steadily. Yep, it certainly is. Uh, the Nokia E75 was another one that snuck out this week. Uh, Nokia's E75 looks like a Mobile World Congress announcement. Uh, some items on it that are confirmed, a 2.4-inch 2. screen, 3.2-megapixel ca- camera, HSDPA, Wi-Fi, uh, slide-out QWERTY keyboard with a front-facing 12-key keypad on the front, so you can take advantage of either one. Uh, nice uh, E-Series designs on this one. Of course, they do a great job on the E-Series and uh, so anyway, look for that one to come out here in about a month. 
And uh, last in devices here, the T-Mobile G1 has moved beyond 3G markets. So if you are in a T-Mobile area that does not have 3G, you can now get your G1. Previously, it had only been available in the the select markets that uh, that gave 3G capabilities to it. So you can still use it with Edge, of course, and uh, you'll be able to get it uh, anywhere that T-Mobile is sold. Uh, this past week, also with the uh, with Twitter, I sent out a message and I asked everybody to let me know what their top three iPhone applications were. I just wanted to do a quick poll to kind of find out what people with the iPhone were using. And as we enter into the software here this week, I thought this would be a good time to announce uh, really what the uh, the top apps were. Now, uh, not surprisingly, the top one was Facebook. And I, I find a lot of people uh, that use the iPhone, of course, are using Facebook. Uh, but not only are they using it, this was was one of their top applications. Number two, Net Newswire. So if you're a net, uh, like to read RSS feeds and you want to have them on your device and not web-based, Net Newswire is apparently what a lot of people are using. Number three is Pandora, the free music streaming service that's available on many different platforms. Was one of the top uh, applications chosen by those who use the iPhone. And then coming in number four, or fourth, was a tie between five different applications. Twitterific, Tweety, Twinkle, Twitterlater, all t- so all Twitter applications, and e-reader. So those that like to read uh, e-books can use the e-reader application. Uh, a lot of other different applications were mentioned in this. I thought it was pretty interesting to see. I've got a list of probably another... Oh, I don't know. What does this look like, Joey? Maybe 20, 25 applications, other applications that people would say are their favorites. Uh, Lots of different stuff out there. But uh, so those were the top ones. So it was kind of neat to see what people are using their iPhones for. Um, Also on the iPhone this week, if you've got it jailbroken, you've got copy and paste if you want it. The Clippy application is available to uh, do copy and paste on your phone. So at the very least, we can see it does work, and we know it is possible if Apple wanted to implement it. Uh, But you can certainly uh, check this one out if you've got a jailbroken handset uh, installing the Clippy application. Uh, lastly, an iPhone stuff, six must-have application freebies. Now, I, I found this one uh, just kind of flipping through some stuff here on CNET, and what I thought about it and, and looking what they mentioned was that some of these were, were okay applications, but um, you know some of them I didn't find uh, all that interesting. But one in particular that I did want to mention, and this, of course, goes back to just my, my general love for NPR radio, is an application called NPR Mobile. It's not official, but it does allow you to get great access to all the broadcasts that are being done by NPR and allows you to free up some space on your phone by not having to download all the podcasts. It can also do a location search, which uh, will allow you to, when you're traveling, find the nearest radio station of NPR in your area and allow you to click through the different segments of the podcast that you listen to regularly. So if you're an NPR fan, NPR Mobile is a great application. And if you want to see what the other six are, link in the show notes for you. Visual voicemail for the BlackBerry Bold looks like it could be coming in the next firmware update. 4.6.0.219, it will be the next AT&T Bold firmware update, it looks like, and this will include BlackBerry's visual voicemail, uh, allowing the the, uh, user of the device to uh, view and listen to messages without having to call in to their voicemail. So look for that one if you're a Bold user. And RIM announced that the uh, they are now accepting applications from developers for BlackBerry devices. The BlackBerry application storefront is open for developers only, and those wishing to submit applications can do so via the RIM website. Developers have to agree to the terms and be accepted into the program in order to submit. They will be anticipating a launch in the storefront 
later this spring. RIM has announced, too, that they will be bringing back email support onto uh, S60 devices. Several months ago, Nokia stopped including the software that was necessary for the S60 devices to uh, hook into uh, the RIM Bez email servers. But RIM is working to provide the service for Nokia's S60 devices. In speaking on an interview with Reuters, they are saying, we're an interim period right now of time. We have dropped support ourselves, but BlackBerry is ready, excuse me, readying support for the service on Nokia devices. And in the meantime, Nokia, of course, has launched their own branded Avi, uh, Mail for Avi service. So you can check that one out if you're not willing to wait for this. A couple of Windows Mobile 6.1 upgrades this week. First off, the Verizon XV6900 is uh, gotten a Windows Mobile 6.1 ROM upgrade. Check that one out over at Verizon. And the Samsung i780, also a Windows Mobile 6.1 upgrade. That one is available uh, from Samsung site. The uh, Nokia N95 8 gigabytes saw an update as well this week. It is up to version 31.0.015. And of course, the similar bug fixes is what's listed for this. So check that one out for you N95 users. BlackBerry Storm OS update 4.7.0.90 was released. You can download that uh, from the links that we have here in the show notes. Show notes, which uh, uh, link you back to the megaupload.com site. Uh, for your 9500 series device or your 9530. And uh, those are not officially OS uh, updates, I believe. I think you're right. I think this is, uh, these are ones that kind of got, you know, these are the snuck kind of out preview, there. Yeah, preview beta versions. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting for an 8830 uh, update for the 4.5 OS too. Uh, Verizon supposed to get out eventually. Yeah, they'll just just give them time. You know, they gotta you know take their time doing all this stuff. <laughs> anyway, but one of the neat things about it is that they're they're looking uh, or they've included, I guess, on this new operating system, the uh, front facing QWERTY keyboard in in portrait mode. Um, so you don't have to actually turn it to landscape to get the QWERTY from the sure type. So you can you can make your decision on how you want to input your data on there. Um, in my test with it, I found actually the portrait mode to be easier uh, when entering data on the storm. I, I just for whatever reason sure type works really well and uh i I just the the keys are bigger and i don't know not a big fan of the storm anyway that just kind of i don't know it's getting there it's getting there joey i don't want to all these updates just help yep exactly finally on the software side android's cupcake looks like it could be coming soon and it will have a front a, a qwerty keyboard on it so that you can use it on the screen, you don't have to slide out the keyboard on your G your G one. So uh, who knows when this is coming? But still, more information uh, on it is being leaked out as people are getting it and trying it out. Um, looks like it'll be a good one, though. Uh, you know, even small features like that will make uh, the user happy, not having to slide out the keyboard. Questions and comments here. First one, a question from Eric. He says, "Hello, Mickey. First of all, let me congratulate you." and your Arizona Cardinals for making it to the Super Bowl. Now to my question. I listen to your podcast every day and absolutely love it. I'm a little behind, and I just listened to one of your shows, maybe 132, when you and Joey were talking about the Plantronics 925 and 815 Bluetooth headsets with the side tone technology. I'm thinking about getting the Plantronics 855. Do you know if this particular handset has it? Uh, these, is it? It's side tone, isn't it, Joey? Not side talk? It's side tone. It is side tone. Okay. He mentioned side talk. Yes, Eric, it is the side tone technology. Anyway, will it have it? Uh, according to the plantronics.com site, the 855 does have the side tone audio feedback, enabling you to hear what is being transmitted, highlight listed. So, yes, that device does 
have side tone available. So uh, hopefully that will uh, answer that question. And uh, you can order it up and enjoy it. Uh, of course, a feature we've talked about many times on the show. Very enjoyable to use. And uh, I, I don't know if you have a Radio Shack near you or if you can swing by one, but I, I, I've been to a couple uh, fairly recently, and they were ha- they had them on clearance for a pretty good price. I think they were 60 or $70, so you could go check them out there. Well, you know, one thing I really like about this is that you can swap between mono and stereo, so you can actually use it for A2DP listening, and it allows you, it, it's got this you know, plug-in um, other headset, maybe, you know, some may view that as kind of, a, you know, annoyance, but I like that. Is that... You, yeah, you, it's it's basically... 855 is basically exact same as my 815 that I use, with the exception is that you plug in uh, on the, the, where the little ear clip thing kind of goes. Oh, you plug yeah. in the other ear set that you can then... that you then wrap around your head and listen to the other side, but you can disconnect that entirely and just basically kind of turns into the 815 uh, without the... Uh, it doesn't have the dual... Uh, dual phone pairing feature, though. That's the Ooh. one thing that the 855 does not have. And the 925 does have that. I, I do have to say that is very convenient for those that carry two devices. Um, I love it. I love being able to pair it with either phone. Don't even. I mean, basically, I turn on the headset and I use it. I don't even think about it. It's fantastic. So a very nice service. Next one, here's a question from Ryan. He says, is there a way to get my money back from applications that aren't very good? I downloaded an app and I really don't like it. And it was $5. I, uh, that is a lot to spend for an application that you don't, that doesn't really do what you want it to do. Well, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the short answer is uh, no, it's not, it's not as easy as just, you know, saying you want a refund for it. Um, there, it's not impossible though. Many, uh, you know, commenters to, um, you know, to different sites when you search for this have said that they have gotten refunds for various reasons. And, uh, but think about it in this way. When you download a song, for example, on iTunes, uh, once you buy it, you have it. Uh, and it's not something that you can return. Um, I, I understand the, the, the problem, the problematic nature of downloading an application that you haven't been able to try out. A lot of developers are now creating the light applications that you can download and install and use on the device and basically get to know how the program is operating at, you know, maybe one level or, you know, missing some features or whatever it is. Uh, but you can certainly do that. But uh, unfortunately, it's, it, it doesn't look real possible. And it, it, you know, ultimately what they'll do is they'll, um, you know, they will send the money uh, once they once they collect the money, they send it off to the developer, and once that happens, I think you're pretty much out of luck unless the developer somehow goes back to Apple and says, yes, you can give the money back to this person. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I would say just do a little bit more research before buying applications. Uh, we, we've bought dumb applications before. My wife's got one on her phone that I'm like, why did we even get this? This is so silly. But, um, you know, it, it just happens. You just, you got to be careful. And Joey, this is, you know, I guess the downfall of a centralized application store where you have to actually pay for right when you get it and they don't offer any free trial, you know? Yeah, the tr- trials are, are, are very essential. I mean, it's kind of the way it just works these days. You you really do have to have that. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I we'll just hopefully uh, more developers create light versions, or you know, because I I haven't purchased one myself, but I, I don't know what kind of interface they they allow you to, to take a look at. But I mean, if if the developer puts lots of screenshots, and you can basically see the whole app as it works. Um, you know, kind of as the, the, you know, maybe good descriptions of it. Okay, I can kind of understand that, you know, refund may not be in order. But if it's like, well, here's an app, it does, it does this and this and this. And we, you know, if it doesn't really do that, then 
Yeah. I don't know what to say. I mean... Well, most of them do have screenshots um, when you go into iTunes and you, you, you click okay. on it, or on, on either the phone or um, or on the computer. You can see the, the screenshots. But I, I can see sometimes, you know, maybe a little deceiving. The comments, uh, the, the, the reviews that people have done are completely... They need to be reset, because... At first, you used to be able to comment on any application that you wanted to, uh, as long as you had an account. And now it's you have to have that application to comment on it. But they left all the old comments in there, so it, it's so hard to tell. People are just going, you know, on and, and just leaving comments, especially about their own stuff or about stuff that uh, you know it, it may not be correct. So you really just you know do do your searching before you download these. Um, but for five bucks, I would say just you know. In your mind, write it off, move forward, and just you know, just deal with it. I, unfortunately, I think is the answer. Uh, so anyway, let's move on here. Comment from Joel. He says, "I just listened to your latest unlocked show in conversation about moving applications and information from the individual PCs back to the servers, and that was very interesting." Earlier today, Microsoft announced that it was going to eliminate a significant number of jobs. Um, I read. Uh, the story I read stated that mid-PC sales were down while server software was up. The increasing popularity of lower-end PCs, or what Sony, a Sony executive called a race to the bottom, with the increasing emphasis being placed on cloud computing and web services, and it all supports the prediction that software is going to move from the individual PCs back to the servers. Um, there's increasing evidence and examples of this now. Previously, if you wanted to work on a Word document, you needed a computer with sufficient space and a reasonably powered processor. Uh, You would then need to purchase and install Microsoft Word, and you could edit documents from your computer independent of any other machines. While you still can do this today, you also have the option of using an online service that essentially does the same thing with a lower-powered machine. The only thing that matters is that you have a supported web browser and, of course, a connection. In a way, I feel that the progression to cloud computing is the parallel of a regression to the dumb terminals of years ago. The concept of a performing processor uh, on the server while only rendering the interface on the client machine is an old concept. The significance uh, is the increasing emphasis being placed on this organization, especially with today's global economy and increasing security awareness. I, uh, I previous and uh, on previous and current assignments, uh, there were financial institutions. And they both hosted all of the applications for external employees on terminal servers. The smoothness and responsiveness of these applications in user interactions isn't as dependent on the performance of the individual machine's processor as much as the speed of one's data connection. A reason that I am looking forward to LTE. Well, Joey, Joel's comment here is is very valid, very interesting. Yep, and that's exactly what I was going for uh, when I was making those comments because it, it, exactly it's it, it, it's kind of flipping that way because I mean, security is such a big concern uh, for everybody. That's the way you secure it. You, you don't secure data on your own personal machines with your own processing power. It it's just it just makes sense. Yeah, and I I find myself, you know, even with a MacBook Pro that's got all the processing power in the world, I'm doing so much of my regular personal computing specifically online and whether it's, you know, online, um, you know, webmail or, you know, documents, we do all of our document stuff here on, uh, you know, on Google docs. And so we get to, you know, you know, collaborate and stuff like that. It's very easy. Um, I just don't find myself except for, you know, recording and processing of the show doing really a lot of stuff, uh, with the computer. It's really amazing. Um, I, I, it's very, it's fascinating, you know, to say the least, that you can that you can do so much online right now. In fact, there's been there's been a couple of people who have actually talked about this in the past, 
um, uh, Kevin Tolfel uh, over from uh, uh, Mobile Tech Roundup and JK on the Run actually did a complete month where he only used uh, cloud-based computing with the exception of Skype, of course, because you can't use... You have to use something for voice over IP, right? But uh, yeah. you know, basically everything else you did online. And I mean, I think about that, and I could very easily do that. And so a netbook is certainly appealing for you know a device to carry with you, especially when traveling, and you 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 don't want to have all that data you know there where you can easily lose it. You know? Yeah, exactly. And and, and like you said, you know, you need an app. You need you know something to do voice over pay, uh, voice over IP, but you also need something to to open the web browser in. To, to oh, of course stuff uh so yeah. there, there's there's always there always has to be some some sort of client uh what that client is you know really depends on what it is you know if it's just a terminal server like a terminal server yeah you need a a, a machine to kind of run windows so you can do uh kind of the remote desktop style but if you're just running an actual terminal or you're using like vt220 uh you, you don't need much well, and let's wrap this back to the phones then, talking about the Palm Pre. You know, and the Pre itself is is obviously going to take advantage of a lot of web-based information, but I, I think it still stores a lot of it locally. I mean, it, it has to, right? I mean, it's a yes. phone. It's yep. not always connected, but it's it's going to it's going to kind of wrap in a little bit more of the, the cloud-based computing. And, uh, you know, so we'll just, well, it'll be interesting to see that, you know, how that goes. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the, the OS is going to lend itself more towards uh, a cloud-based uh, functionality where I, I think it'll be more transparent between the fact that it's cloud or local. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, you know, either way, the, the, the movement towards LTE is the way to go to get this so that people can actually, you know, do more of this, you know, this stuff. So uh, anyway, uh, moving on here, final comment here from John. He says, uh, Mickey and Joey, I found an article in my Google Alerts for iPhone uh, that said that I could have emoji icons from my iPhone without hacking. And I'm going to stop right here and, and kind of explain to people what this even means because b- before, about three hours ago, I didn't know what this meant. So apparently emoji icons are uh, they're, they're picture characters. It's a very popular thing in, in, ja- in the Japanese market. Um, because there's so much, uh, you know, it's, it can be so difficult to do whatever when you're writing or typing out something that they like to include these little pictures of different things. And I guess it's just huge. Um, you know, the iPhone itself is ve- a very difficult phone to use for the Japanese market, I guess. And so I, the iPhone 2.2 firmware had some of these features uh, actually hidden within it so that you could use it for, for Japanese customers. Anyway, uh, he goes on to say, Uh, I've included a link to the article below, but basically you follow the step-by-step instructions uh, to to get them. You get a $1.99 application called Frosty Place from the iTunes store. Uh, You go, you, I guess, play with the application for a minute to activate it. Click on a story within the application. Uh, Then you go back into your settings, general, international, keyboards, Japanese, and click the emoji option to on. Then you can send text messages uh, to anybody with an iPhone, and they will get your icon. So that's kind of cool, I guess. You know, you can. Uh, it, it has the ability to do so, and uh, so why not? If you're interested in sending these things, but they 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 kind of categorize them, whether it's transportation or weather or flowers or faces or times and all sorts of different symbols and stuff. Anyway, and he says, uh, the page and the application store reviews say that you have to click on a few stories to get it going, uh, but my iPhone has no internet connection, so I just opened the application and closed it, and it was in the settings then. So, 
He says, fan of the show, longtime listener, John from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So anyway, very, very uh, interesting and a nice kind of tip for those that are using the iPhone. So I don't know, Joey, you use, use a lot of emojicons? Nope, not too much. Maybe a smiley face here and there. There you go. It's Yeah, they kind of, they're kind of like... Uh, like avatars or what do they call them? Emoticons? Icon, little icons, yeah. Little, yeah some of those icon. look like just generic icons, but but you can like send little rocket ships to people, little subway pictures. <laughs> okay, you're at a gas station. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, apparently they're popular, and you can do so if you want uh, through a, a, an application in the iTunes Store. And that's all for us this week. If you have any questions or comments, you can give us a call to two zero six two zero three. 3734 or send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com and make sure uh, that if you want to get those answered you do so and send those to us because we love the questions and comments so please keep them coming and joey thank you very much as always for your time and we'll talk to you later thanks for listening for more information about the stories you've just heard visit us at the cell phone junkie.com 